This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hi, I'm Julie. We're going to talk about The Curse of Capistrano by John- Johnston McCulley. First published in uh, the, what is it? All right, no, it's All Story. All Story Weekly, August 9th through September 6th. So there, I think like five installments uh, in 1919, which is, hey, 100 years ago. Um, I want to start out with a really interesting fact. Though I'd hopefully you all are not familiar with it. I'm a little too familiar with it, but I'll always figure that what is in my head is not in everybody else's head, but it's, it's an interesting factoid. Um, you guys know, uh, the alley where, the name of the alley where, uh, Bruce Wayne saw his parents murdered? No. Yeah. I, 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 I can picture that alley in my mind, but I don't know the it name of the alley. It has a specific name, like, like all the parts of Gotham, right? <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's called Crime Alley. <laughs> <laughs> Crime Alley. Now, uh, I if you never walked into it with uh, well, like that, why would you walk down Crime Alley after going to the theater, right? The young child, yes. So that's where uh, Batman gets his origin story, right? Um, uh, there's a, a criminal named Joe Chill who who robs his parents, steals his mom's jewels, and uh, leaves him an orphan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where were they coming from? They were coming from the theater. But what show did they see? That's the question I have for you. Zorro. The correct answer is Zorro. So. <gasps> Mice <Mysa> wins. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So you've got, uh, two, uh, sometimes there's other versions and, you know, like, uh, like the gospels. <laughs> there are other, uh, oh. there are other, uh, pieces that, you know, sometimes they're heretical and sometimes they're not, or whatever the word for it is. Apocryphal, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd so, leave this analogy and move on. <laughs> so if you go to the 1940s Batman, uh, the 1940s Batman, the movie that they're seeing in the theater is The Mark of Zorro, 1920. Mm. But if you go to a more modern um, movie, uh, or version of Batman, like, you know, comic book or a uh, TV show. I think they did it on that new show, Gotham, that just ended. Um, and uh, even, like, the movie theater, like with uh, Christian Bale, when we see him getting his origin story. Um, it's the 1940 version of The Mark of Zorro. Oh. So, which I think is the one I know. The, um, oh, crud. I can't remember the star who was a revelation to me. It had Basil Rathbone, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's the 19th. Oh, you're talking about Tyrone Power? Oh, the Tyrone yes. Power version. Yes. What a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of the ones that Jesse had put in the Dropbox. I yeah. hadn't seen it for years. I mean, it was like one of the myriad movies I saw on Channel 11 back in New York. Like, I had not seen it for years. I hadn't even remembered it. So like, they started like, like, oh, I know this one. <laughs> Wow. It was a revelation for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, I hate you now because it, I thought I thought the 40 version would be really good. It's the 20 version. So good. Did you guys watch it? 
I didn't watch that one. I didn't watch any of them. Oh right. my! I watched God. part of it, but I was too. I started too late, and I couldn't. I couldn't stay awake. Oh well. Who stars in that one? Um, that is Lon- Fairbank. Uh, yeah, I was going to say oh. Lon Chaney Senior, but it's it's Douglas Fair- Fairbank Senior. Totally worth. Yeah, I definitely will have to watch it because he's mm-hmm. always good too. I couldn't believe how good it was. Like it is such a good movie. I, you know, okay. I do a lot of silent shorts for reading short and deep. And the thing is, is I sort of have to twist my own arm to watch them because silent movies, it's like reading comic books with not enough panels of text. <laughs> you, know, like yeah. you see them whispering, uh, well, not even whispering, they're just yeah. mouthing Mouth. at each other and giving odd looks and pointing at things. And then every once in a while, well, there's a title card with what somebody's actually saying. And I keep thinking, if you want to make silent movies interesting, you have to go in there and dub the lines. <laughs> Like, we could do that. We get actors to, you know, sort of lip read and we look at the script and figure out what they're saying. And I, you know, not exactly Mystery Science 3000, but. So the 1921 silent then? 1920. This is important because it only came out the, it came out literally the year after the serial. Mm -hmm. And they changed the title. It became The Mark of Zorro rather than Curse of Capistrano. But the plot is identical. Not like the 1940 version, where there's lots of little changes. It is identical yeah. to the plot of of uh, of Curse of Campestrano. But more importantly, the action sequences are so good; they're oh. they're as good as I was watching it late last night. The uh, the the one with um, Antonio Banderas, uh, oh, Mask uh, of yeah, Zero. Oh, yeah. Which is a very good movie. I, I remembered it being good, but I, like, I haven't watched it since it came out. It's a very good movie with great action sequences, like really good. Um, but it, it, this 1920 version is as good in action sequences. And the other thing that it has that's so interesting is it has all the movie beats that make a super successful movie today. So mm-hmm. even though it's silent, like there, there's this thing that's not, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's never mentioned in the book. So this is one of those translation things. So in the book, we've got our, our hero, uh, Don Diego Vega, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever his name is. He's got, his name changes a little bit over the, they, they, I think it's just Don Vega. It's Vega in the first one. Yeah. And then they add some little, uh, I don't know, ofs and thes or something in the middle. Yeah. Um, he, he is just sort of like a foppy guy in the book. Well, that's the exact same thing in the movie as well, but they, in order to show that, they give him a little thing, which is he's really into sleight of hand, like basically oh. magic, yeah. right? And yeah, right. this is something that has stuck with every production ever since then. So I was watching, uh, I've watched the first three episodes of the 1957 Zorro TV show from Disney, and they have it in there. Um, they have it in The Mask of Zorro, the Banderas one. It's in the 1940 version, and there's the mm-hmm. 1974 complete remake. It's so weird, you guys. It's on YouTube. 1974 remake of the 1940 using the exact same script, exactly huh. the same, really? and the same music. It's wow. so weird huh. watching them back to back. It, 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 oh, that stars Franklin Jella as uh, Zorro. 
which is huh. also strange. That's what I was going to say. I have to look him up, but that's a strange choice if I'm remembering correctly. He's, he's quite young, but he, you know, at that time he was, it, it was a TV movie. Um, but it, it follows the exact same formula as the, as like scene for scene. There are like slight line changes here and there. Um, because like the late lady he's meeting is wearing a hat rather than, you know, one of those, I don't know, boards that on the back of the lady's head. They changed. Mentia? Is that what it's called? I think. Okay. Instead of wearing a, 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 a board on the back of her head, she's wearing a hat, so they say that's a beautiful hat or, or, or no, uh, some lady gets mad because she's wearing a hat that she shouldn't be wearing because she's not, whatever. You get my point, is that the, the, that sleight of hand thing is really important, um, in visualizing what we see in a, in the text, and this, um, is so good in the film because it's the beginning, middle, and end of his character. So the beginning, he, we, we're introduced to him, he's a fop, and we know this because he's not interested in politics or all the horrible things that the governor's doing. Instead, he says, I've just come from Spain where I learned sleight of hand, and let me show you, I turn this, this handkerchief into a flower. Right. And like everybody's rolling their eyes while he's doing this, right? Because it's, he's not serious, which is kind of the fun point of it. But at the end, there's this sequence, you cannot believe how good it is, where he's got the girl, he's, he's gonna kiss her, and he says, have you seen this one? The title card comes up, and then he pulls out the handkerchief, and he covers up their kissing, so that the camera's pointing at, uh, that. But then, the great part is, a uh, draft of air comes in from beneath them and starts blowing it above. And the girl, she grabs it and pulls it back down, but it keeps slipping out of her hand. So he says, he sort of winks to the camera and pulls it down the other way. So it's blowing up while they're kissing. And it, and oh, then you see her hands horrible. doing like the little, you know, I don't know, curly cue things showing that she's really excited about this kiss. Yes. <laughs> And it's As she should be. So good. This is the first movie uh from United Artists and it was oh, a really? huge hit. Like so such a huge hit. It would be like Star Wars uh 1977 or Jaws or something like that. And you mm-hmm. can totally see why watching the movie then would it would get a remake and a remake like it's so well done. And the only real change, uh, other than the one I just mentioned, which is the, you know, the sleight of hand stuff, is that uh, from the plot of the novel is he wears a half mask. So yeah. from the nose up. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like Batman. Just uh-huh. like Batman. Otherwise, he's wearing a, a, a mask covering his whole face. He's more like a bandit, right? And that uh, that's the real cool connection is that Zorro is the spot in between um, everything that came before and s- superheroes as basically we know them. Other than Superman, right, who's sort of a – he's got his own kind of interesting origin story that's uh, well, from the science fiction um, department. I- this go is ahead, Marissa. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Well, uh, there, there was an article in Medium. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw it. And it's no, called, not. Who Was America's First Superhero? Mm-hmm. Zorro. Mm-hmm. And and he says, first, Zorro had an identifiable uh, disguise that he always wore, the mask, the cape, the outfit, sure. the hat, the sword, the whip. 
He rode a horse called Tornado, which is basically the model for the Bat- Batmobile. Sure. <laughs> he had a manservant, Bernardo, who knew of Zorro's identity and right. aided him in his adventures. So became, they're the dynamic duel, duo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, his well, he's more like story. Alfred, actually, right? Yeah, actually, he is. Yes. Um, so the third... Um, Zorro's alter ego, uh, Don Diego, provides a more thorough dual identity. Uh, mm-hmm. They also they also go, go back to the Scarlet uh, Pimpernel, which yes. is also so that. But then it says so he uses the disguises, but Zorro has a costume, mm-hmm. um, and so he exists in the geography of the New World. He's the first hero with a mask and a dual identity with adventures in America. Mm-hmm. He's, totally, he's totally he's totally super. Yep. I I was thinking about the Scarlet Pimpernel when I was when I was reading this book when I was listening to this book and watching the movie and I was the Scarlet Pimpernel isn't as well known or as popular I think in America I think right. Zorro took took what is good about the Scarlet Pimpernel the whole idea of an English aristocrat who fakes being worthless but is actually a hero saving people from the French Revolution and mm-hmm. transfers it basically to an American context so Americans can eat it up. Mm-hmm. Because, because, you know, the whole French Revolution and whatnot is a little abstract to America, whereas California is part of America. Even if it's pre-American California, it's mm-hmm. still got that, that the roots here that we can all appreciate. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, also, it's a precursor. Well, and Johnson McCauley wrote Westerns, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's a precursor oh, yeah, no, to no, the no. classic pulp. Well, he wrote, I think he wrote a zillion he things. Did, he, I he, think wrote a ton. he did. He yeah. did. Yeah. He was one of those pulp writers who just was like, I'm earning a living, and so I'm writing it all. And because uh, he, yeah, because he wrote several like noir style, um, mysterious uh, savior sort of. He wrote things. lots of pulp, is what he did. Yeah, right? exactly, and that's it. And so um, this is the one that really stuck, though. And um, I also was thinking of this Scarlet Pimpernel, and I'm going, yeah, but it didn't have. That's all fine. But it didn't have the elements, like you're saying, Paul, of, you know, and it's that kind of a glamorized style of Western. It's not a Western. It's better. Because mm-hmm. it's still got the aristocracy, the nobility. Somebody's got to help the poor people. You know, the beautiful woman who she gets to know her own mind and choose her own path. And I'm like, oh, how forward thinking of you, sir. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what? your father's suffering because of this, but whatever. Um, just the whole thing. The package is great, but the Scarlet Pimpernel was in 1909. So it was before this enough that people would have known it because it was really popular. Mm-hmm. And so was, were we supposed to be fooled at any time? Wasn't it just the people in the book? I mean, didn't, yeah, I couldn't tell if it's because it's supposed I to be came a surprise, so late. I think it's yeah, supposed to be a surprise. So, yeah, because I come so late. This is an old trope for us, but at the time... You were spoiled you had, for it, Julie. Well, yeah, well, but you, you think that you people who read it in 1919 didn't realize it? Well, I th- well, it, it, the text, closer to the end? The text doesn't tell you, right? So, it doesn't tell you. So but, if you're reading it as a serial... The does tell you. They give you numerous examples yes. so that it, the reveal is earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that you can agonize over how he's being treated by his wife, who's you know doesn't know what's going on, and is is clueless about everything, everything. And so, um, but this doesn't. The reveal which I was here impressed is by. absolutely at the end in the last chapter. Where uh, he, I was well, I know by. where it is, but but I mean, it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at what That's point? What I was wondering. At what Do point does know? it become clear, though? Right. So. Uh, uh, if, if you're watching the 1920 movie, that scene where 
um, they're talking about Zorro. Um, the the uh, the fop leaves the bar, and then four right. minutes later, Zorro yeah. comes storming in. Right? Um, there, but, but it's not- we have a physical face to look at, and you know Douglas Fairbanks, amazing acrobat. That's one of the things that was not on your list, Misa. Um, oh. He has the powers of Batman, right? He's yeah. super well trained. He's a human being. He doesn't have alien superpowers or mutant abilities, but he's an acrobat. And when you see Douglas <laughs> Fairbanks dancing around uh, on tables and jumping and swinging and all that amazing stuff that he does, um, that is super highly visual that you don't get in the book, right? We, uh, I think in real life, you have to wear a full mask because I know it's Antero- right. Antonio Banderas, whether yeah. he's wearing the mask or not, right? Yes, we do. Uh, it's just, that's, that's the, the difference. So there, there is a, a book that was, follows this pattern and it's uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's, um, Strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, you've yeah. got that, that dual identity. And, mm-hmm. uh, th- this the reveal is, is at the end in that too. That's right. And it's, and, and that's the, that was the surprise. That was the, don't spoil it for people. Nobody will want to read Strange Case Spoilers, of Doctor, yes. right? Or Curse of Capistrano because no. Um, so yeah, I think it, I, uh, it's a mistake. Um, of the writing that he he thought that, that was uh, going to be the important part because that's not what anybody cares about, right? Right. Um, and more importantly, at the end, he reveals his identity, which if you're going to be a superhero, you can't do that. Or if you do, you have to retcon it right away, which was what he did, right? Yeah, yeah but <laughs> he was supposed to that, do one off book at the beginning, right? Before he just before it became so popular, he had to go back. That's right. He didn't it. know he he you know he'd captured lightning in a yeah. bottle, and yeah. people want more, more lightning. Story. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's what threw me about the about the book. It's like. And so he, he reveals himself and he's like, we don't need Zorro anymore. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's, I, 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 we'll all work yeah. together to be like the, be like heaven on earth. Wrong. Really? It's not human nature. There's one more, um, uh, he's feature. He's a planter. He's an aristocrat, not a, you know, psychologist, Paul. There's one more feature that, uh, that also ties him to Batman. Um, and it's not in the original novel as we read it, but it is in the, uh, 1940 film. I, I think it's in the 1940 film. I've watched so many. Um, and, th- and also it's in the 1957 show. It's very important there. And, and it's in Mask of Zorro. And that's, uh, his secret lair, his cave. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? It's cave. not a bat cave. It's a fox cave. Yeah, Fox Cave. The Fox Cave. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, with the, with the horse being, you know, a black horse and the costume becoming black, all black, he becomes, he is, he is the absolute precursor for Batman and Batman's the precursor for every superhero who basically is not, um, Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. So even Bruce Banner, who gets his origin much more close to Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? Where you've, instead of becoming a, a mean guy, you become an angry guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's always angry, Jesse. Uh, he, don't, he wouldn't like him when he's angry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just crossing the street. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, 
I, I just want to, I, I want to make, I want to make it super clear that that's really cool, but I want to also make the difference be, between, uh, Zorro and Batman and also sort of an issue I have with both of them and I think is very prominent in this book. So the reason Zorro's the good guy is because he's, he's fighting injustice, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, if you think about, who he's fighting he's actually fighting sort of the government whereas batman he's working for the government right? well he's working he's, he's not necessarily he's doing he's doing the them. government's job for them well yes but but sometimes that sometimes against the government's wishes depending on which version of batman you sure. go with what his relationship with but his with criminals the, he's tracking down and throwing into arkham asylum are not you know, in, except in the case of uh, Two Face, right? They they're not government employees. They're they're uh, they're not you know the king's guard. They're not right. See, he he really comes right. He's a folk hero as well as um, right. This character of Zoro, he's a folk hero, right? All the people love him. He when people beat the natives, right, or uh, mean to the natives, um, he is there to right the wrongs. And you know when. When dons are have their taxes raised too high, he's there to fight the government, right, in a mask. But Batman, um, I mean, a lot of people have done stuff about Batman, but his psychology is, I'm I'm for justice, sure, but there's all these crazy criminals who need to be locked up, right? And and, and that's that sense, different. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Um, in that sense, Zorro is much more a child of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Yes. Yeah. Who is battling the French government because they are being unjust to the rich people. That's right. Um, and the rich people would be, you know, oh, these poor aristocrats. These aren't the ones who were so terrible that they caused a revolution. You know, we can't read A Tale of Two Cities along with this. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> you, but you have um, the whole idea of they're the ones who would be less trusted by everyone. The poor people wouldn't help them and everything. So in that case, it's reversed because here he's helping the natives. Right. And Who eventually them, you know, that but, kind of thing. But when he gets well, his posse going, right, it's it's all the dons. It's not the. Yes. It's, it's the, all the young sons. It, I mean, the, the, exactly. as opposed to, as opposed to the movies, the novels much more about uh, his relationship with uh with with the family and the family's being oppressed. And he yes. wants I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. he talks about. He talks about wanting to beat Gonzalez for what he did and, and there's the, uh, the, uh, how they're treating the, uh, the Padre and whatnot, but it's really the focus around the family that really drives the action of the novel. And that's really, again, again, anti, yeah, the, the good aristocrat is being oppressed by the government. I must stop this sort mm-hmm. of thing and, and gets him into, gets him into trouble as, as, as the government starts figuring out, well, Zoro's hanging around this family a lot. What is with that? <laughs> yeah, true. Because <laughs> the government's completely corrupt, which is, again, Scarlet, Scarlet Pimpernel's problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Bad, and, yeah, government. So that makes Zoro a libertarian hero. He's against bad. Yeah. He's against the government. He's oh, an Ayn Randian kind of hero. No, I liked him for a reason. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Is um, he's also got his young band of you know uh, English aristocrats, the That's sons right. of families who are helping him sure. too, the ones who know his identity. In this case, no one knows Zoro's identity. 
Yeah. Even his servant. Yeah, that, it's funny. The servant, um, changes, right? So in, <laughs> we find out the servant is both deaf and dumb in the yeah. book. Um, in the 1957 Disney version, he is mute, but not deaf. Um, yeah. and yet when he is introduced, uh, to people because he finds out that, you know, bad stuff is afoot, um, he, he pretends that he's also deaf so that he can, you know, be standing, you know, in the next room and they can talk openly and then he can give his, you know, this is how Zorro gets to know, uh, what the hell's going on all over the place because he's everywhere, right? Ah, so yeah. not only is he a fop in the corner doing his magic tricks, uh, he's also in the next room listening. Um, and I guess somehow that information is communicated even though he's mute and probably Probably. Sign language. Well, mind you, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's a native in the book, right? And right. he's, uh, Indio, I think is how they put it. Or maybe that's in one of the movies. Um, and there's a lot of natives in here. But, uh, it's really interesting to think about, like, I don't know much about what kind of, what it actually physically looked like. Uh, so I'm going by the movies. Because right? anything pre nineteen eighteen forty nine California, I just don't know what it looks like. Obviously, we've got all these place names, and there's we've got the missions and stuff, but we don't like the po- how big is the population? I have no idea if it's a hundred thousand or you know a million, and all of like who knows? I have no idea because I'm not I'm no anything close to an expert on that. And they seem to not know in all the different versions too, because they also seem to have very like maybe maybe there's a few people there, or maybe there's hundreds, or maybe there's thousands of people in the pueblo. It's uh it's hard to it's hard to tell. But um, not being an expert on that stuff, I still noted in the book that even though our hero is heroic and he's fighting sort of for against injustice and beating natives, um. It's all about blood. You see how many times the word blood comes up? I didn't notice. Oh my god, it's everywhere. I was trying to find a text um that I could search the whole text for, but oh, yeah. Wiki- Wikipedia only has our wiki source has it by chapter. So, I don't think that I don't think Gutenberg I can... didn't have it. You know, I'll check. With the HTML? Yeah, let me check that. Gutenberg. Uh, so so Jesse, so just so mm-hmm. you know, the population of Reina de Los Angeles in the year 1800 and the, the movies it's and the 18, novels are kind of, Yeah, 1820 a, or so. Uh, well, it depends, it depends on the actual version because they seem to be fluctuating, not to mention... You said 100 uh, years ago, I think, somewhere? Um, maybe. I have the text here, Jesse, oh, 79, 79 times. 79. Wow. Yeah. Where, where, That's a lot. Can you send me a link to that because I'm not finding it? Oh, uh, no, it's it's actually the... Oh, you got an ebook? Yeah. So, okay. so it's so it's a so in eighteen thirty the population of Los Angeles was one thousand three hundred people. Yeah, that's tiny. One thousand three hundred? That's in eighteen thirty. In eighteen hundred was just three hundred and fifteen. So Yeah, it was really small until um really yeah. I think like the gold rush, after the gold rush during no, the No, it's yeah. huge after the gold rush, right? That's yeah, right. Because yeah. and, and it wasn't really part of the gold rush, that so was more San Francisco, but that all bled over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've so. read historical fiction. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I mean, California, California was, to be frank, a backwater of the, yeah. of Mexico at the time. It's just like, we have this huge chunk of land and we have uh, our people and natives and not much else. And there's nothing here except some farms because, you know, no gold yet or anything. There's no reason to why to oversettle the country. So yeah, so, but yeah, I don't see, I don't, I don't call any version which makes it that small. I mean, I mean, we get a kind of sense in the book that, that, that the Pueblo is not large because it's like his house is right across the street from the tavern, which is kind of a little odd, but you know, it's, it's, it's a really tight knit community. So like everybody knows everybody. Right. So I, I assume that this is a phrase that is used, um, in the period. And I, I don't know how Johnson McCauley knows anything about Spanish Mexico. Um, he was apparently <laughs> a, a reporter. Um, he worked, he was a, he was in the army in World War One as a uh, reporter as well, so you know writers they read stuff. I get that, but he seemed to know uh, you know pretty good how the structure works. And uh, I'm no expert on any of that stuff, so I can't say uh, I didn't find I didn't see anything wrong with it. But I, I'm no expert, so I can't say that there was you know he definitely got this wrong or anything like that. But um, what I am an expert on, I think, compared to most people uh-uh. these days, is just basically the 1920s um, style of what they're interested <laughs> in. I read those magazines all day long, right? So right. that's, you know, I, I look at the magazines, I can see, you know, well, I can tell you basically what decade it's from just by the ads. Because the, <laughs> the, the kinds of products that are available and the kinds of interests that people have... <laughs> They change, but there's also, you know, fads that rise and fall and, you know, that sort of thing. And one of the things that is really going on in the 19-teens after World War One and 1920s, a little less so in the 1930s, unless you're in Germany, is basically a eugenics theory and, uh, you know, oh, racism, yeah. mm-hmm. standard straight-up racism. So the, yeah. the blood, uh, the fact that, like... One of the things that um, the girl does is says, I'd rather mar- marry a native than I'd marry you to the captain. Mm-hmm. And like, I know, such an insult, really. Right? Yeah. Like, well, it's an insult to him. I don't think she, um, I, I, I mean, she, she might be just, you know, I'd rather marry him. <laughs> <laughs> they're nicer than you are but what what that, that, i don't that, think that was i think yeah. you're right i think it's a straight up um just saying wow that's low you are here's how low i'll go that's how that's stuff. right yeah and so every time it comes up uh, this e-text i found is is very badly um uh ocr'd um so every time it comes up when it talks about blood um it's you know, I'm higher than you. You're, uh, oh, he's one of us. It's okay. We don't, we treat him differently. Um, and the natives are on the bottom, right? Yeah. So, uh, that is something that sort of gets less and less, um, emphasized as the Zorro <laughs> series goes on. But even though he is a defender of, of the, of the people, I'll just read, I'll just read an example one. So I don't know where this is fairly near the beginning. No doubt, but it is an awful nuisance. However, I will go through it with you, senor. It is my father's wish, you see. You, if you will pardon again, have fallen upon evil days. That is, da, that is the result of politics, of course, but you are of excellent blood, senor. Uh, of the best blood in the land. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And well, now that you say it, well, yeah. that's all. Yeah, and eugenics and all that kind of thing. But that also is valid going back through um, all kinds of books. Going back, people cared about where sure. you were in society. That was the class structure, and so that would have been valid back then. And it's way. I think it's even more valid, right? But it also resonates. So uh, just listen to the next line where it's mentioned blood. Uh, this is two paragraphs down. Everybody knows it, senor. And a vega, naturally, when he takes a mate, must seek out a woman of excellent blood. Uh, they, uh, the, the woman trading, uh, you know, the father's gonna give the daughter so that they, house is restored and that sort of stuff. Yeah, she's, she's like, uh, she gets some choice in the matter. But, you know, there's a lot of emphasis. I think that's perfectly historically accurate for 1820 or thereabouts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just as like, I'm thinking like, it's not super, super clear what he is, Zorro at first, because he's a robber, right? And we mm. know this. We start, we don't start at the beginning of the story like in we do in the 1940. We start in the 1920, we start in, in the 1920 version of the movie, uh, which is the book. And the 1919 book, we start in the middle of the story. Zorro is already known, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't got the mask on. He hasn't decided to become. That's that's the. He's major already change. a legend. That's yeah. In in the Curse of Capistrano, he tells us, "I was 15. I saw something bad happen. I decided I'm, I've got to create a secret identity, and I will transform myself uh, so that I've got the like." Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, two different aspects. When I put on the mask, I become the man. When I take off the mask, I become the fop, right? That thing. But he he's robbing. That's not what Batman does. He doesn't go rob the robbers, right? Um, and yet... As time goes on, well, it's more, it's, it's almost like he's Robin Hood at that point, right? Yeah, he's, no, he's, he's a folk Robin, hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a Robin Hood strain. In, yeah. in he's Zorro. a folk hero, right? That he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, uh, or a redistributor uh, of wealth. And that's the sort of <laughs> same thing you get with Jesse James and like sort of, you've got a historical character where you, you get the idea that they're, sure, they're robbing the government, but it's, it's for, um, it's at least revenge, even if they don't actually technically share it. And they do spend a lot when they come to the bar, right? <laughs> like that sort of thing. I never thought of Jesse James. I think I know too much about him. Yeah, exactly. If you know anything about him, you realize most of these guys are not, you know, Billy the Kid. They're not heroes. They're yeah, not heroes but, at all. In but fact, you're right. There's that folk hero aspect. That's mm-hmm. the Bonnie and Clyde thing where even though they were just awful um, yeah. – they they gained popular support. Well, they because they're the authorities were the unpopular. That's, that yeah, the that authorities are unpopular. Absolutely, yeah. a strain of of the interest is they're sticking mm-hmm. it to the man, and you can see like if Zorro was not a fictional character, we would totally be suspect. Especially get what little we know of his actions, we would totally be suspect of his motivations, because it, we we've been trained by reality. Um, well, and, and the way, in mod- oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, in the way, notice his relationship to killing people is not Batman's relationship at all in, in the book, right? In Curse of Capistrano, he will kill people. Batman doesn't kill. That's right, but it's mentioned that he's reluctant to kill people. Sure, he's, only, he's much yeah. more. He'd much rather carve Zed on their neck and then lord <laughs> it over them later. Z, not Zed. 
Yeah, okay. that, yeah, uh, I think we're going to on a tie here. Oh, <laughs> That's <gosh>. right. <laughs> and I get final Zetero. Cut, although I won't get it. Um, <laughs> um I I wanted to say something too about I not remembering more than the real total basics of the story. Reading the book, I was surprised when the captain isn't at the it, the captain is the one who's um, the real – he's so bad later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not his friend in the bar, but um, yeah. the sergeant. he the starts off – yeah, that's it. He starts off very uh, kind of upright. I was kind of on his side. Mm-hmm. And then he suddenly flips and I'm like, oh, you're not – I thought you were at all. I, guess I found it interesting that Zoro is – He's made friends with the, I guess he's like a sergeant or whoever, mm-hmm. and he buys Sergeant some Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah Sergeant yeah. Gonzalez. Okay, he is a sergeant. Can you tell I read, finished the book a couple weeks ago? Sergeant Gonzalez, and who I kind of liked that relationship it's where he's a comedy he could, relationship. Right? Yeah, it well, is. yeah, it is, but he could still be friends with him and not kill him, but I kind of hold him to the line. And Captain Ramos, I was ready for him to be kind of the upright guy on the side of the law who might not know. He's like, you know, um, Police Commissioner Gordon and Batman or something like that. And then he totally turned into, you know, not the Joker. He's worse than the governor. He's worse than the governor. Yeah. He's all, yeah. yeah. And the things he's doing to the young lady, I was like, sir, she is alone. (laughs) Leave this house right now. And then he was worse. Yeah. (sighs) Well, that's when uh, when it's good. I mean, he he needed to be friends with Gonzalez anyway. To kind yeah. of know, to, oh, yeah. for, for Zorro's work. Where not to be, yeah. Yeah. But the other one was a quasi rapist. Oh, so. definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, abs- yeah, it's like, yeah, he's, he, he, he deserved his fate. He deserved I, his fate. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, he did. Well, I did. I did find it interesting, uh, even at, by, by the end, Gonzalez is kind of like, said, okay, so you're Zorro. Okay. We can still be friends, sort of thing. Oh. That, that, that's sort of, that's sort of weird, like, yeah. Uh, I'm asking the identity and everything's going back to normal. And Gonzalez is cool with the whole fact that his friend has been playing him this entire time. It's like, yeah, wow. but he bought him his drinks. Yeah, right. I, 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 enough. I, 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 enough. I guess enough wine and Gonzalez will <laughs> give you anything. Well, you know, there's I, always that Sergeant Schultz somewhere. I, I want to <laughs> point out, um, oh, that, oh. he is the well, same character. He's the same character. It's absolutely, yeah. it's, it's the same relationship. And if you think about what's going on there in Hogan's Heroes, um, it, it's the exact same thing, right? The governor, uh, is actually Hitler, um, <laughs> because he's the bad guy, right? But the whole point of Hogan's Heroes, unlike a regular, which is it? Uh, I really I don't know how we got on Hogan's ears, but I, I want to point out that that, that show <laughs> is a send up of of you know Stalag seventeen or 17. whatever. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, dozens yeah. of movies yeah. where it's Escape from uh, Sobibor, and there's what's the one The Great Escape? Well, right? Yeah, The Great Escape. There's dozens oh. of these movies, right? And if you're going to do a TV show, you can't have them escape every time. <laughs> but, oh, so. Can- so they can do better. The premise of Hogan's Heroes is they're actually subverting the Nazis by staying in the camp, yeah. which is the silly. Yeah. But yes, I, have, I have to ask one stupid thing, though. Why in a Batman episode does Batman run into Colonel Klumper in Gotham? How does that work? 
He it's one of the wall climbing scenes. He's climbing the wall and there there he is with his monocle looking out at Batman. Okay. Like, what the <laughs> hell? I didn't remember that one, but I don't um, I think how. that's called T V crossover. Yeah, yeah but how does the timeline work here? I'm the time sure. But see that's the that's that's the really that's the way Batman has to be. And it, it, it does point to the ridiculousness of Batman is you can't go around punching people and jumping off buildings without actually killing people by accident, right? You, it's just not possible. So most, most of the really good superhero writers just have to avoid that sort of thing. Like they, you just can't do it because if you do it, then you've broken the, the, the unreality. He's got a sword and he goes around zipping people in in the mask of zora the antonio banderas one um he, he cuts the la- he gets into a sword fight with a lady oh, she, yes. <laughs> who's the actress she's uh, married to a famous catherine zeta jones catherine zeta jones yeah. right um uh she, she he gets into a sword fight with her and he cuts off all her clothing without marking her skin that is not going to happen right like it's just it's a cartoon Earlier in the movie, he's killed people, but because they're bloodless and they're baddies and it's a cartoon, we, we're good with it. But if you take it, like, you know, seriously, and you can't take Batman seriously, you know, super seriously, because it doesn't make any sense. You know, all of his supervillains are insane and they end up, you know, they keep escaping from the same prison over and over. And hospital over well, and over. It doesn't know, make comic any sense. book stuff is comic book stuff. Exactly, and that's that's why we get Watchmen, and we get a bunch of other, um, we get a bunch of other sort of harder takes on what what's actually go, what what it would be like if superheroes were were real. Watchmen is like you don't want to know what the superheroes would actually be like if they could exist. This is what it would be like, and you, ooh, that's tough. But mm. uh, I do see this as far more connected to like Prisoner of Zenda. And Paul, oh yeah, Paul, we we did Prisoner yeah. of Zenda, right? Uh, yes, we did. Um, Love that book so much. Were you in on that, Julie? Mm-mm. And Mike, um, you weren't either, right? No. Okay, so Prisoner of Zenda is this—it's all the swashbuckling. There's kind of a secret identity, although well, it's, it's not yeah, exactly it's, it's, what it's, you yeah, think it is. It's a body double, and he's pretending to be his uh, "quote unquote" twin. So it is a secret identity. In yeah, itself. and it's it's right. basically the plot of Double Star by Heinlein, right? Um, um, but it's written so it's so funny. I mean, is. from the very beginning when he's twitting his sister in law over the red hair and everything, it's very funny. Um, you know, it gets less so as it goes sometimes, yeah. but yeah. And and I I just want to point out that, that he he is running a very tense line in the book Curse of Capistrano between uh serious and and comedic. So in that opening sequence of the movie, uh the nineteen twenty movie, Which, yeah. the nineteen twenty <laughs> movie, it's in all the other movies as well. Uh, including Mark of Zora, uh, Mask of Zora, which is not a, it's like not, it's not the, it's not Curse of Capistrano. It's just mm-hmm. another, you know, so we're rebooting the series sort of thing. Um, what they do is they have a, a bunch of soldiers in a bar or in barracks or something, and he makes a mockery of them, right? But before, uh, that is, Zoro makes a mockery of them just by being so good at fighting with his sword, he can, 
You know, in the book, he's got a pistol. I don't think you see oh. much pistol work later on, right? He's got a pistol at the end of the book. He's got a pistol at the beginning mm-hmm. of the book. And he, he makes people do what he says because he has the pistol. And then he'll fight them one-on-one, right? Um, but that Sergeant uh, Gonzalez, mm-hmm. he, the, the, it's right in the book. He swaggers into the bar, right? And he pushes people over who are lesser than him in the army. And he's just a blustering fool of a character. So when he gets fooled by Zorro, uh, or Vega, um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's almost like physically comedic, but we don't mm-hmm. feel it as much until you see it. Like those words translated, he is a comic figure. Um, and that's why he can be friends and friendly. And then we still get the hardness of, of that, you know, that fight at the end where somebody does die. Cause I don't think he goes around killing people most of the time, right? He's robbing mm. people, but he threatens uh-uh. death to people all day long. And that is not, yeah. well, yeah, but like super Batman, you know, he intimidates people, but even, you know, he never actually kills anybody. Or if he does, that, that like derails him for six months or something, right? <laughs> um, and because, you know. My beautiful soul. What that, have I well, done to it? It's, it's just a cartoon reality. But I just, right. I think uh, the, you can so obviously clearly see how Zorro is this amazing character to be added to and polished up that the change, just change the mask and you give him the a horse a name and, um, give him that cave and suddenly he is, He's a 1820s superhero. For sure. So I know there was versions of Batman where they showed Batman in different contexts. I don't think they did. Pirate Batman. Pirate Batman, 19th century Batman. I mean, they, I mean, like, late 19th century Batman. Lego Batman movies make extensive (laughs) use of this, right? But you don't see you don't see Batman California because Batman in California is Zorro, so you don't have to recapitulate that. Well, I, I, I'm yeah, pretty sure they give city. him a sword at some point. Yeah. Well, and it's funny though, listening to you talk about this, I got to say, yeah, it's really he's Robin Hood now. I'm thinking so. Oh, so much so, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's I had stopped at the Scarlet Pimpernel as I'd mentioned before, but yeah, the, all these things you're saying, I'm like, yeah. It's taking that epitome of the guy who will fight for the people nobody's paying attention to. And they can be high up people, low down people. He's just doing it for good. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it, it, it's really, it's, it's cool, the motivation. So in the, you, y'all watched the Tyrone Power 1940 version, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Long um, ago. Right. Um, so that, that has a much more straight up, um, normal way of starting a story. You know, he comes from a foreign land. Nobody knows him. He comes home. He's been gone for 20 years or whatever it is. And then he, he steps on the shore. He sees that reality is not his and he starts formulating a plan by, Acting sort of deceptively a little bit at first, and then right, right, right from the start. I mean, I mean, it's like because he's talking to the captain, like, "Do you know the story?" He's like, "No, I don't know any of that." Where we just saw five minutes ago, him kicking, kicking butt on 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 the field of Madrid. It's like, <laughs> I mean, the movie sets up right away that he's going to. Uh, he got his superpowers in the army, right? In yeah, in training, he got super right, kind of like Captain America. Oh, wait, no, yeah, uh, and and decides to just like hide himself and i like i 
I, I hadn't seen the, the Tyrone Power one in a long while. It's, it's, is romance the right word? It's, it's a lot more yeah, it's romance. romance. It's a lot more. Because he's not only interested in yes, but, uh, but, uh, the, the, uh, the wife as well seems really interested in him. It's like, I mean, he's, he's a ladies man in a yes. much more, much more, uh, full way than he is in the novel or I haven't seen the 1920 version, so I can't judge, judge that. I mean, he, he's a, I mean, he's the woman. He's the man all women want. Yeah. Both both versions, not 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 just the boss. Yes, he like, is. Oh, he's, he's just rich and and yeah, great. He's rich, but he's he's such a milkwater who wants him. But in the, in the Tyrone Power version, he's Tyrone Power, and he knows it. Oh yeah. Now and there, so does everyone watching. There's one more adaptation that I I really I should have pushed it on everybody a lot more. Um, did anybody get a chance to listen to the audio drama? I, I loved did. it, Jesse. It oh, was the, that was my of all the things that we watched. That was my favorite. Oh yeah, that I mean great, great voice acting. That, so Stephen great Nicky. storytelling too, though. Like yeah, just oh, Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, Armin Sh- Armin Shimmerman was terrific. He's amazing. In it. Yeah, uh, Stefan Rudnicki plays uh, the Father Frey guy. Yeah, because um, I've listened yeah. to a couple audiobooks lately with him. I mean, we did Dying Inside with Stefan yeah, Rudnicki. He's, he's like, I know that voice. He's a great narrator, and um, he, he's got the deep voice that they used in. The, they had a one of those character actors in the Tyrone Power um, version where he's, you don't know what like that sort of <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. sort <laughs> of I'm deep my, growl, my, gravelly my, my, voice. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I didn't look who that was. I mean, he's the Friar kind of Tuck. Character, by but, the way, if you yeah, but is it the, the same logic. actor from Robin Hood? I I think looks, he is. It looks yeah. a lot like him. He acts a lot, like but he's him. the like same he's, role too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, especially at the end where he starts beating up the soldiers in that final great scene where it's all chaos. Like mm-hmm. the 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 father gets his licks in at last. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason this character is enduring past the first you know novel. That's you know, there's tons of serialized stories that get no attention from. Argosy and all story and that sort of thing. So, uh, the fact that they have built in whether he noted this, noted it or not, it makes sense. They're in Spanish California. There's going to be, you know, lots of religious guys. That's the purpose of their supposedly being there, right? Um, right. but they have a Friar Tuck character and he serves the same purpose. He hides Maid Marian, right? Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very much the same thing. So, one of the things that's so cool about that uh, three-hour audio drama for a six-hour book is it has pretty much everything that's in the original. Um, it also has a little bit more. Um, and that framing with being told by... by we, the tavern yeah, 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 the you're, 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 being told, you're being told this as you're buying drinks. That's right. Yeah. You're buying, you're buying yeah, drinks. Okay. You're sitting there on the bar, and he says, Oh, you want to know about Zorro? I'll tell you a story. I'll pour you... For you another one, and then he gets to the end of the story, and it follows exactly the 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 plot and structure and everything of Curse of Capistrano, the original novel. And then at the end, when he, when Val Kilmer takes off his masks, is about to take off his mask and reveal his identity, Armin Shimmerman cuts in and says. Oh, did he, do I know the identity of, no, that's another story, right? And that is the change that had to happen in order to you have him be a superhero. Superheroes are not one-offs. They are continuous. Robin Hood doesn't have one story. He has many stories, right? So you can't, it's not, let's all wrap this up and end. This is actually the whole 
I think writing problem that a lot of people have today is when they they're writing four series, so they have to, they think they're setting up a. Th- I think if you're writing just a great thing and you get to that end and you do the wrong thing by revealing the identity, um, that is maybe the one time you don't want to do the setting it up for a series because. Every time after that, every book after that, that, that McCulley wrote, his identity is secret. Just like Batman, right? You, yeah. you can't, and you uh-huh. know, even Superman's the same way. Um, but Superman's, he, he's, he's got a, de- he's got a different origin, but Batman is so much the prototype for all the regular superheroes that we see. Um, you, you know, even Captain America is kind of, um, an interesting case. Paul, you brought him up earlier. Cause he, uh-huh. he, he is a soldier. He, he doesn't have a secret identity, right? He's, he's the captain because he's like one of those guys, uh, I think they do this in the movies too, where he, he's just a regular Joe, a foot soldier who gets treated, uh, becomes super powerful, and then he's used sort of as a publicity tool, right? Yeah, For that, 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 recruiting that's, 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 and selling war bonds. And that, that's fascinating. I, I was watching all the things, uh, I watched a great YouTube channel, but all the things they did to try and recruit people for World War One. And one of the things they would do is the British captured like lots of German equipment. And if you bought enough, if you bought enough war bonds, they'd send you like a, a, a German, they're called pickle helmets. It's like mm-hmm. a, you know, it's got a spike on the top. It's the one that s- sits on oh, yeah. the desk mm-hmm. of uh, Classic. Hogan's Heroes, right? You'd get one of those. Yeah. And uh, if you paid enough, uh, you could tour a, a – they captured a, a U-boat and shipped it to the United States and, and cut it into three pieces and then shipped it into Central Park in New York. And people could tour it. During World War One. you could go tour a – like this is really important. So – Captain America's, you know, he's one of those very first superheroes too, because he's around before World War One. But other than him, other than Superman, whose story is we've covered in another kind of what was the uh, when worlds collide, right? That's where Superman's really from, is that sort of origin. He's uh, extraterrestrial. Everybody else is Zorro. I think that's so cool. <laughs> And, and well, so, so certainly, as you were saying before, the Watchmen, except for Ozzy, except for Ozzy, who really has superpowers, all the other superheroes we see are ma- just masked, ordinary people pushing themselves to the limit. They no, are uh, not Ozymandias. You're thinking, um, uh, Doctor oh, Manhattan. Well, well, Ozymandias, Ozymandias is Manhattan. just a smart guy. No, no, but remember, he catches. In, remember, he catches the bolt in his hands, so he is superpowered too. Oh, I guess so, but more, more. So, but you're right, Doctor Manhattan. He's just is, knowledge, like he, he just knows everything. That's yeah. But, but, but I'm thinking about owl and every owl and yeah. He's uh, just a, he's, Batman, he's just a rich guy, right? He's a yeah. rich guy with nobody to fight because he actually has a conscience. So he sits in his lair all day waiting for something <laughs> to happen, and you know he's just a rich guy. Yeah. That's just kind of sad. And that's what's so cool about that story is it really hits home in the hardness of of what superheroes the, the fundamental conflict. I used to hate the original Batman, uh, you know, regular series from the '60s because I thought this isn't the Batman I want. They're making fun of it. But that's <laughs> if you're thinking about it sort of logically, that's really the only way to go. 
Because yeah. uh, you can't really, you can't, uh, uh, Johnson McCauley did such a good fine line between making him a villain and making him a hero. And it's a very fine line because you're talking about the Adam West TV uh, series. I was. Yes. 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 But which, I'm now talking whole, about the book. We didn't read comic books cause I was too young then, but my whole family loved that. We watched it on TV. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, it, it was my first exposure to Batman. So when I started reading mm-hmm. comic cause I was like, wait, this is not the Batman. I know. No, it's not the Batman. <laughs> what happened you know? to this guy? He was more fun, but it's exactly like all the, um, it, that shows up in the 1989 reboot, right? The, with the Tim Burton. Uh, oh, yeah. what's he say? He says, uh, where does he get those wonderful toys? Which is Val Kilmer, yeah. right? No, no, no that's, that's no, Michael, Michael Keaton. Kilmer's three. Yeah. In, oh, Mike Keaton. Kil- 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 I love that later. version. Yeah, Kilmer came later. It's a great uh, movie. Kilmer came later. Yeah. yeah. No, I just had movie. Val Kilmer in my brain. <laughs> uh, that's because of the, uh, the drama. Yeah. Yeah. And when, but when they went, and added nipples to uh, Batman. I think that was one of the George. That Clooney, was the George Clooney, right? That's I the point watch, where. Yeah. And, and he's there's a scene where Robin says, uh, "Holy metal," or whatever, and he says, "Batman turns and what are you talking about?" Uh, he, he says, "Look, holy metal, uh, metal with holes yes, in it." Holes, and yes. it, that's that. That's that. You've just crossed the line. You've ruined this thing. I'm broken. I, I'm walking out of the theater, <laughs> right? Because they're they're trying to. They're saying wink, wink, wink. There's no winking in this one, right? There's no winking. <laughs> this is all straight up, right? And and when we see it on film for the first time. We're so caught up in it in that 19. I can't believe how good that 1920 version is. You guys got to see it because I, I saw somebody saying that. Um, what's the actor's name again? Senior uh, Douglas, Douglas Fairbanks. Fairbanks. Douglas Fairbanks. Right. Yeah, so, so, somebody said you know he's not handsome, and and I was thinking, well, yeah, he is not super handsome, but he's got the skills, man. And he he did the adaptation. It's all him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, neither I mean- was Steve McQueen. Who cares? I think if the camera nice. loves them and they've got that charisma, nobody cares if they're good looking or not. Yeah, but uh, like if you uh, the way they do it now, right? What uh, the the next Batman is is the vampire from the those, Oh yeah, Robert Pattinson. Uh, yeah. Right. So um, I don't, I've never seen him act at all, but I'm assuming the reason they chose him is cuz he's going to look nice in a Bruce Wayne tux. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so uh, it's just a different way of running things, right? That's that United Artists. He says, "I just read this story. It's amazing. We're going to do this. I'm I'm going to go practice my swordsmanship. Um, we're going to and it's well, he was one of the artists, right? So he was one of the United Artists. So he exactly, yeah. And and it's reveling in that amazing. You know, like I'm watching all these short films where it's you know it's cute and it's interesting, but this is a movie, right? (laughs) Yeah. This is a movie. I, I sent you guys, uh, I don't think I sent it to Julie last night, a, a short film called, uh, Elevated. Just a little oh, YouTube video. It. Yeah, watch it. It's good. It's cool. It's by the guy who did, uh, Cube. <coughs> you remember who Cube? I remember 1997, Cube. 1997, uh, movie. Cube freaked me the hell out. It's a really <laughs> cool, have you ever seen that, Julie? No, uh uh-uh. Oh, Cube is really cool. It's, it's basically, some sort of Twilight Zone thing. People wake up trapped in a cube. Oh no, I can't watch that. Uh, no. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a horror, I, 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 horror I, 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 science I, I, fiction. N- n- nowadays, it'd be a Black Mirror episode. 
Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And it it has a it's a solid ending because they never say you know how they ended up in the cube. The reason but they're in the, the cube the is because they have a small budget and they yeah, only have one set, and so all they yeah. do is keep reusing the same set over. Well, this movie uh, elevated. It's set in an elevator, right? <laughs> it's all all in an elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's again, it's a student film, so they're, it's designed they're to trapped in the elevator. Uh, no, there there's something outside the elevator, and they're worried about oh. it. Um, and it's not it's not the greatest movie ever, but it shows how just as a short film, it's it's like it's okay. But when you make it a feature, this is the difference. Like uh, most people don't like short stories, like me. I think most people read novels, right? Mm-hmm. I love short stories, yeah. but. Once you get into that novel thing, you sort of want more, right? This movie, the original uh, Mask of Mask of Zorro, is exactly the book of Curse of Capistrano. Only difference is the mask, and the uh, the mask is full length in the in the book. He's got the half mask in the movie, and he's also got the um, sleight of hand stuff that visualizes the foppishness that you can't have, I guess, in in the film. But it's so good. It's like that this is exactly why people get excited about about film and making movies and all that stuff. It it, it really captures it. It really captures it in a way that I, I've seen lots of um those those um Baroness or Orsi, how do you say her name? Uh, Orsi? Orsi. I, I don't know. Yeah, but Scarlet yeah. Pimpernel stuff. Uh, they're cute. Mm-hmm. They're interesting, especially for the historical stuff. And I like all the stuff, but they don't capture you. Like it is not a superhero series as much as it is. It's interesting. It's just not. It's not Zorro. You know? No, they. Yeah, and the book itself never grabbed me. I read it once and was when I was a teenager. And every time I've tried to read it again, the Scarlet Pimpernel have gone. Eh, yeah, no, no, thanks. <laughs> But it, the old man in the corner are much better, and that's what you're saying, Jesse. Those are yeah. short stories. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 he even has the he's a scar, you know, scarlet. I don't know what a pimpernel is, but it's a flower. Okay, it's a red flower. Okay, that may so. be part of the problem there too. Zorro is a fox. He is a fox. Oh, I I, I read the uh, I read a thing, and it said it was about the um, the. About foxes mm-hmm. and like the fox personality. Oh, um, hold on, that's a fox. Find it, pardon. And no, yeah, and 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 it was all it was it detailed exactly. Um, um, uh, oh, I can't find what I where I wrote it. Uh, What's the female of fox in Spanish? Vixen. Oh, in Spanish, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Because um, uh, one of the things that happens, right, is uh, by the time we're in the 1998 version, the woman is with a sword. And I've seen Lady Zorro uh, as a comic book, you know, and like, and there was a show. Uh, this is more of a Paul show than I think anybody else here. Me and Paul. Um, there's a show called Queen of Swords, which is it's yes. basically Zorro, except she's a woman. And she doesn't have the name Zorro, but she's got a mask. She's got a sword. It's set in California, yeah. right? It's, it's based. Yeah, and they got took shows. They got a yeah. trademark problem. They said this is too close to Zorro and blah blah blah. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it was a, a pity. There's a whole bunch of swashbuckling kind of shows around that time. There was um, 
there was a, the the one uh, set in the island where Napoleon was trying to conquer the island, and then there yeah, was Bristol County Junior. There's a whole set of yeah, that one's so called. Was uh, it was called Jack of All Trades. Jack of All Trades. There was a whole bunch of shows like that around the same time. They were all so oh, it was all so good. Yeah, and they all they all died too soon for various reasons. Yeah, that one starred that. um, who's Bruce Bruce Campbell? Yeah, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, who's who is the perfect combination of humor and physicality. I mean, he's not known for being Mr. Muscles, but he can fake it well enough, mm-hmm. and. And he's got that, that swagger. Um, rewatching the Mark, uh, Mask of Zorro 1998, uh, with Antonio Banderas. Yeah. He is terrific, right? That, oh, yeah. that was a perfect casting. Oh yeah. That, that movie is so, so good. Yes, I do. And it's, own it's super com- comedic too. Like he does kill people, uh, stabs, stabs a few guards here and there, faceless guards. But, um, it's, 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 Every t- the- this is training scenes with oh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Oh my god! It's classic filmmaking, um, and it it harkens back to the 1940 version for sure. Yeah, and I haven't watched that in so long because the main thing I remember are the tongue-in-cheek it modernizations of the Z and her clothes come off yeah. and that There's kind of thing. And so stuff that there is bad, but it just just this, you're it's almost too far. Right in those little bits. Yeah, the head in the jar, really. Um, right, you know, was, gross. Uh, well, and those are the two things I think of. And you're right. You, and I'm glad you're talking about this because it makes me want to go watch the movie again. Because you're right, there are so many things that are great about it. And the funny thing is, of course, we went to see it at the theater, mm-hmm. and those elements I'm remembering are the things that delighted us because they were different sure, than sure. the story mm-hmm. we knew. But now you look back and you go, oh, I appreciate how well they told the story. Right. So that's I'm glad you were mentioning it. It's yeah. interesting. I'm, uh, I've, never, I've never seen the, Zorro, the second Zorro movie. Have you, Jesse? I think I did, and I don't think it was as special. I think that's why that, it was that's the what third I heard one. From their views, and I just let let it. I didn't even bother with it because there, you, you cannot believe how many Zorro products there are. If you go to the Zorro Wikipedia page, um, there are comics going back to the '40s, and and they really get going in the '50s uh, with that. With that Disney show, oh, terrible! I watched it. I watched the first three. Is it episodes. terrible? No, it's good, but they colorized oh. it, and it looks terrible. Oh, I mean, oh. I think Zorro should probably be in black and white almost, anyways. Just given how isn't that that guy? Um, oh gosh, the actor's name was Guy something, and he later was the father on Lost in Space. Um, I didn't watch Lost in Space, but oh, um, well, it's probably right. Let's see what it says here. It doesn't matter. I just was, you know. Guy Williams is the. That's it. Yeah. Um, it I is, watched reruns of the Zorro thing. I think at some point because I remember I loved it. You know, because I was whatever age to watch those reruns, it, and they would have been old reruns at the time. Um, it's very. But Disney. that's when I went. What? He's the father. So. It's very Disney. He in the in that those three episodes. I must have seen it as a kid at some point. But um, the the sidekick uh, Bernardo, um, he is he is a comic character, and they emphasize this when he's doing his um, not sign language, but his his version of sign language. Um, Zorro will do the translation, right? But they're making sound effects while he's like. Woo! You know, doing his fingers. Um, so it's, it, 
And it's heavy, heavily musical, music, you know, so that it, it's all controlled. Um, yeah, you're, you're told what you should think. Yeah. I mean, how exactly. you should feel and about it. It's a it. half hour format, which is, you know, very unusual for, uh, today action, action. Yeah. Cause it was for kids. So. Yeah. It is. It's basically a cartoon. Um, but well done. Very well done. How long were, um, What's that show that was running in the same Desi Lee show? Uh, Wild Wild West was that a half hour as well, or is that a full hour? I think that was an hour. Yeah, we rewatched some of those recently from the first season where I went, "Oh my gosh, we need to move more seasons in." Yeah, yeah, I totally. I also watched those in reruns. I those are black and white. Watched those. Those were the first one. Yeah, later they went to color, but it became a good show. It became yeah, a good show. It's, that's, Rose wanted to watch it because on More is More, they had done the movie because they talk about bad that movies. That is not a good movie. And when, no. Oh, and so oh, they did a good no. job talking about how bad it was. But so um, that's when I went, oh, yeah, because it's from the TV show. And everybody went, what? And I was like, oh, you guys, Robert Conrad, come on. And he Seriously? took his shirt off as much as possible. It was enjoyable. You didn't know about the show? Yeah, no. So we got oh, the DVDs. I the didn't know about the show season. either. Oh, oh my, my gosh. god, you gotta see the show. It's but start two or three seasons yeah, in. I'm not sure how far in to start. Um, the first season is fine. You can see the bones of what it will be. Yeah. But they haven't it, sorted it out and yet. And it never goes as stupid as the movie. Uh, no, no. It, no. It, 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 there is this thing. There's a fine line between ridiculous and you know, like just perfect, per- right down the middle somehow. And, and <laughs> yeah. the, the way I see that that Batman, 1966 Batman, right, is that they went the other way. <laughs> they said, yeah. we're embracing it. All these things you see as ridiculous, Jesse, if you think about it, like the fact that he has to keep capturing the Joker over and over <laughs> and over again. And all, how come all the criminals in Gotham are like wearing costumes? What happened to that Joe Chill guy who, who shot your parents? It makes a subversive reading where you end up saying, is Batman just crazy and he's the one in Arkham Asylum? Because <laughs> everything that happens to him makes no, it's ridiculous and silly and it's almost a, you know, he's rich and he has a secret, it's ridiculous. So they went, they embraced that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that Wild Wild West movie, it's, they said, all those things that you thought were cool, oh, we can do that, don't worry. And then they just go the opposite. They just embrace right. it. It ruins it. Whereas huh. with uh, that original, Wild Wild West is is a mix of it's a spy show mm-hmm. and it's a Texas show. Oh, not Texas show. Western. Western. Show. It's a Western show and a spy show. They're merged together. You like James Bond? You like westerns? This is that. <laughs> and yeah, but okay. they and they did the thing with the villains. So you had Doctor Loveless, who was oh man, that great actor who. He played every every short person, little person. I don't know what's the correct Michael thing Dunn. to say, but yeah, that he was so good. He was so villainous. He always had the most beautiful ladies. I mean, they had all these villains, some realistic, some not repeating like him. And it it, it did have that Batman element, just kind of pulled back a little bit mm-hmm. because you were enjoying watching, you know, the two main actors. Yeah. Seeing them um, together and run, mm-hmm. they've got, they've got a few gadgets. They've got a few little plans and it's yeah. almost like, uh, because we, like the man from yeah, yeah, which yeah, I haven't watched so, in that's forever. That's his own chemistry. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's that chemistry, though. You're right. Wow, I haven't watched Man from Uncle in a long time, or ever. The, I mean, the, since it was first on. The, the the new movie's actually pretty good. Okay. I, I it was it looks like it was supposed to be started with a franchise, and it didn't do that well. But I enjoyed it as a I fan of the original series. So. Put it down to uh, that's. I was wondering. I'm I'm more of a I I really like that um that show Wild Wild West, but I I honestly Get Smart is my. Favorite. I, love I just like it much more because of the bumbling character. Yes. Zorro, that's... Zorro is not bumbling. Batman is not bumbling. Right? I love the bumbling. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, the he thinks he's, he thinks he's brilliant. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, okay. And I just have to say my favorite of all those kind of shows, the Avengers, the, the Diana Riggs mm. Avengers. When, you know, they're, so they did some before though. and after, that's, but that's yeah, the... and you can buy those really reasonably on DVD. So mm-hmm. somebody bought me it, nice. but those are, yeah, those are fun. Cause they're the actual spy thing. You get interested. They're so quirky. They're so modern Super for quirky. the time. Yeah. yeah. And they have this relationship, which is just, do, are they, it's or not, they? it's not What's romantic, happening? but it's not, not romantic. Right, and she's, and this knowing, and they they she's kind of, Mrs. Peel, right? She's she's married, so their relationship is not right uh, open in the same right. way that it could. But be. But sometimes they're having breakfast together, but not in a way that looks like he just got dressed. So you don't know if he That's just right. came by, or yeah, it's really and and they do the ridiculous stuff, but kind of in a serious way, but not. It's it's if you guys haven't seen it recently, it is so good. That it's reminds so me well of Moonlighting, which. Is right. not a superhero show, but you remember at one Detectives. point it went the wrong way, right? They sort of screwed yeah. it up. They they broke the formula, mm-hmm. and that is that is I think what's so cool about this original Zorro is is that he's he's he he stumbled into something. All his other characters, he, he had a ton of other characters he invented. They yeah. didn't they didn't quite gel in the same way. They're, they were per, per, perfectly serviceable entertainment for 1920. They are not perfectly serviceable entertainment today. And, and that yeah. finding that just stumbling into the right direction, finding the thing and say, Oh my God, I, I captured lightning in a bottle here. How do I, how do I, uh, you know, use this? Zorro is brilliant. In fact, if you remember in this original book, he has the Zorro Legion. Well, later on, they make a Zorro Legion. Oh, that's right. Right. They don't call it the Zorro Legion in this. But all yeah. the all the dons they put on masks. How is this? How does this make I am any Spartacus. Sense? Uh, exactly. In fact, <laughs> yeah. that's how Paul. That's right. how the opening of Mask of Zorro is. Um, Ant, uh, Anthony, what's his name? Uh, Hopkins. Hopkins. Hopkins is in prison. Uh, he's been in prison uh, since the beginning of the movie because uh, in 1820 he got caught and they burned his house down and took his daughter and his daughter gets raised by the villain and blah 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 right he's in prison and they they're come looking for zorro and they've forgotten everybody in the dungeon so they don't know what he looks like and says are you zorro and and he says yes i'm zorro and he's not zorro right and they do and they all say i'm zorro (laughs) so that that's that that sort of um amazing i'm spartacus moment is it's a part of this you know you'll see that when batman ran for so long in the 70s right the comics 
they would right. have episodes where Batman's identity is revealed, and then it says on the cover. And then you you get to that page, and it's it's like uh, the butler. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's he's taking off the mask, and, and it's because they have to they have to work through all these ideas. And I think I think this is such a cool thing to be able to capture it. I've never read uh, this book before. I I just didn't neither have oh, really neither no I. never. I've just had the adaptation, so it's like oh. all, all all the little differences were were interesting to me, like. I mean, because I was expect I was expecting the book to open in Spain. It's like, wait, what? The zoo's out already and about? Yeah. Well, what about the Spanish stuff? It's like, I think I was- it's better in the original. I think it's better. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I well, it depends on where you want to put in the timeline. I mean, the the, the novel the novel puts it as a Zorro as we start in the middle, establish an identity. Yeah, but if you're not going to do that, then explaining how he could train himself all this well and nobody yeah, ever figured it out. in the last chapter in, in a ridiculous yeah, little... A ridiculous little coda, but I, I like the, the he movie. He had a lot better. of spare time and freedom. I, I, I like the movie says, like, oh, the reason why is because he was he was thousands of miles away. That's why nobody know, knows he can actually do this stuff. And so if he just fakes it, then, yeah, then no one will twig on to the, the identity. I like the idea of the self-made... Yeah, uh, uh, because that's the little boy's dream. dream. That's yeah, that was yeah. my dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, going to write and, the wrongs of everything by myself. And it's the right age for it too. Yeah. And especially would have been back then and in the 1920s, where a 15 year old would have been seen as much more mature than we tend to see them now. Um, and the fact that he held on to it and kind of perfected it, I loved that. And yeah, I'd forgotten yeah. that. And I'd read the story before because. B.J. Harrison on um, Classic Tales read it. Mm-hmm. And so then I got whatever free ebook, you know, Gutenberg or whatever was floating around. And every so often, because I, like you, Jesse, I also like the old short stories like that, the mm-hmm. pulp ones, mm-hmm. and the old pulpy books. So I always have one or two on my Kindle, but just I wanna, for comfort. I want to ask you, is this a swear word? Meal, mush, and goat's milk? That's got to be the milk? swear word, right? That's what, Gonzalez says it over and over again. He, yeah, he's, he's it's like their version of uh, oh sugar, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> because I'm Fudge. like, is that a bad thing? It I'm sounds like angry. it sounds like breakfast, yeah. meal mush and goat's milk. Yeah, it's what's for it's what's for breakfast. <laughs> I, I, I just realized, Jesse, there maybe we'll give a free opportunity to a science fiction author listening to this, but I can't think of a. Uh, interstellar version of Zorro that's ever been made. I don't know how you would do it, but uh, you know, there's certainly there are certainly possibilities yeah, if, if you do it planetary romance. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 if you do planetary romance style, it, the, the, the potential is there if you write it right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see here. you can see uh, how Princess of Mars comes from the same era, even though they're quite different mm-hmm. stories. They yeah. feel very open and similar. I, 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 I much prefer Princess of Mars, but it's because it's, it's so imagination. Whereas this is more, this? yeah, it's just, oh, this is just no. romantic. Mm-hmm. This is romantic. Not. It's action, but that <laughs> one is, it's like, it's like, what, what are the possibilities around every corner? Um, nope. Wow. Um, oh, we we just did the Pirates of uh, yeah. I was thinking about that one, yeah. right? There's and that. I mean, the there was a romance in there. He did mm-hmm. sort of steal and give to the from the rich sure. to a, a bit, a bit. But they, I a mean, bit. that whole 
the whole two. I'm looking for like the more the dual identity and fighting yeah. fighting wrongs while prepare, while appearing to be incompetent while actually doing stuff behind people's back. That's sort of that's sort yeah. of subversion and mm-hmm. that that I I mean some novels have a couple of bits of it like we talked about Double Star, but. So something like that, like okay, I've 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 come back to my birth planet after years being away, and now I'm going to right wrongs, but no one's going to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't mm-hmm. been written yet. I feel like there's something out there. I just can't think of it. I have to look around. I, I, I how could people have missed that opportunity? I, I also, don't know. I also um I thought of that book actually earlier uh, this week when I was thinking about this book, um, uh, Princess of Mars. And the reason is they both have the same ending in the original, which is it's over, <laughs> right? And the original yeah. of Princess of Mars, he says, and and my uncle's tomb is still there, right? And then the next book comes out. <laughs> I said, like, wait, is he dead? I, I, I started a series, yeah. That's right. But I, I thought he came out of the tomb, or the promise was that the tomb was just the place for him to. Well, that's it was his transfer that's state. I thought retcon. that was part. It's a bit of a retcon. It's a retcon, just oh, like the, okay. just like the Got Zorro it. ending here. Um, okay. I want to read that last little bit because it's kind of just—it's so funny. It's—it's it's a tiny little info dump at the end of the book. Explain, explain! They cried. <laughs> it began ten years ago when I was but a lad of fifteen. He said, "I heard tales of persecution. I saw my friends, the Frails, annoyed and robbed. Uh, Frails." F-R-A-I-L-E-S. I'm just trying to figure out what that means now. Frailies. Yeah, for Franciscans. I know, so, but it looks like frails. Yeah. Right? Like the weeks. Annoyed and robbed. And I saw the soldiers beat an old native who was my friend. And then I determined to play the, this game. It would be a difficult game to play, I knew. So I pretended to have a small interest in life. Just like me. <laughs> so they, <laughs> so that men would never, wouldn't, Never would connect my name with that of the high women I expected to become. In secret, I practiced horsemanship and learned and learned to handle a blade. In secret, <laughs> by the saints, he did. Sergeant Gonzalez growled. Unlike Batman, had to go to Tibet and study with ninjas, right? Uh, one one half of me was the languid Don Diego you all knew. And the other half was the curse of Capistrano I hoped one day to be. And then the time came and my work began. Um, so he's the curse of Capistrano, but that is all, that's like a prequel, right? He got mm-hmm. that name by doing something in, at the San Juan Capistrano, um, that was his initial terror, right? So it, it's really interesting that we come ac- across him in the middle of his story and then we get the end, of course, but I just think that's really interesting, a, a way to, it's, it's. It, I think it was designed to be a reveal that th- this ending was the important part, and he thought that that was the important part, right? That all will be revealed at the end. This is a mystery story. Maybe the uh, maybe the editor said, "Give us another mystery," right? Um, yeah, that could be because it, I, I, it, that was his but, thing. But but I, I I don't know because because going back to the beginning, so we have we have Gonzalez in the bar boasting like, "Well, if Zorro is here, I would take care of him." Don Diego comes in and talks with Gonzalez, leaves. Then Zorro comes in, beats uh, beats the pants off him. And and when Don Diego comes back in and starts tweaking him, it's it feels feels like he's being deliberately cruel. So 
I can't understand how someone would jump to the conclusion that one one and the same because it's yeah. because because Diego is actually is talking from like he knows because the way he's saying like oh well tell me how you bought, beat him tell me how you beat him it doesn't it feels really if we're supposed to not know that Diego is Zoro at that point it feels really cruel on Diego's part and Diego seemed anything but that in the previous scene so it does sound like well that's the to that's, me that's, that's, I felt like that too it felt like the whole thing was a big wink like here it yeah. is here yeah. you go and and ride with it. Right. It might be about expectations, right? That the reader is rewarded for the knowledge that they already had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a pack you he's he's giving you. I'm yeah. giving you this. And there's the payoff. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were right, brave reader. Hmm. Uh, the titles of the chapters are all really fun. On the heels of the storm, Senior Zoro pays a visit. Swords clash, and Pedro explains. This is in the mm-hmm. tradition, right, of mm-hmm. what what's going to come, what's in this chapter, mm-hmm. what's going to come next. Right. And I mm-hmm. think this yeah. also comes from a period of time, not like today, where I you you could get on your uh, spoiler soapbox, aren't you? No, not at all. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I was saying uh, a period of time, not like today, where people would go back to favorite chapters and they would they would have this book on their shelf and then they would they would like say oh yeah let's read that one again or let's find that uh-huh. part of the story um so th- those were guides as opposed to like i don't think uh paul you read a lot more modern books than i do um yes. i don't think they name chapters the way they used to like it's used to be fairly common for every chapter to get a name like look at the lord of the rings that gets books get chapters and chapters get chapters and, mm-hmm. right everything and it tells you uh sort of what's in that chapter mm-hmm. if you think of if children's books that are relatively long will do the same thing so that we can pick up where we were by looking at it it also gives you a preview of what's coming ahead so you get excited about that um, yeah. But I think modern books is just chapter eight, chapter nine. And Usually, I mean, it feels like an affectation if you're if you're if you've got chapter names. It feels like you're talking back, but to the old days. So, like, this is a story in that tradition, and that's what you're going to, you know, what you're getting out of this. So, otherwise, it's. Yeah, otherwise it's sheds. Otherwise it's just like chapter one and chapter I was two. I reminded well, of what you were saying <laughs> by <laughs> what you were saying of the thing that we have not mentioned yet, which is a, a movie about a book being read to a kid. <laughs> the Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Who has uh-huh. a mask of Zorro, right? Robert, oh, yeah. uh, what's his oh. name? Dread Pirate Roberts. Dead Pirate Roberts. Who that is? That is one of those movies where it always is playing with the the tension between this is bullshit. I'm a kid. I, I'm an adult. Right. Uh, uh, that tension between. And um, most recently, um, I was pointed out to me on some podcast that the reason Deadpool is such a great character is because he's always breaking the fourth wall. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. we all know this. But in the latest Deadpool movie, they redid the whole movie, right, as a PG-13 one, and they got Fred Savage in to play his old role <laughs> from that oh movie. Oh, my God. And have Deadpool reading him the story, right? And he says, you want to hear more of this, like Wilford Brimley used to say? <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to want to be still tied to the bed, like in uh, Misery? <laughs> it's like, Wow. There, 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 this is, this is the, <laughs> such an interesting thing is that 
when when you're reading Prisoner of Zenda, you're taken away, right? You're taken away, and there's a lot of wink winking, but you don't get the sense that I'm I'm reading a novel. You're taken away, but it's a wink wink. By the time we're uh, in our postmodern era, they were always postmodern. Mm-hmm. Go look at Shakespeare, right? We feel mm-hmm. like uh, he's so good at, at, at doing breaking the fourth wall all day long, right? Um, yep. We get a, a thing where it's a bunch of tropes and ridiculousness, and yet somehow we can somehow make it a great story by finding that perfect path between the ridiculous and I don't believe this and um, and and what we want, right? What we want from a story, because we want the the villains to be punished and the and justice to be served and a happy ending and all that stuff. But you, it, th- those are not compatible with series endlessly going and they're not compatible with this. And there's so many story solving problems. It's kind of a nightmare. I'm glad somebody's doing all that work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it is though, right? Uh, Princess Bride is Zorro essentially. In at least yeah, the Robert, uh, Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, he's got that same mask. He's got the, it's all swordplay well, and the villain and the revenge and, right? Well, the revenge is a different character. Yeah. And, it's all changed you know, around, but it's the same yeah. spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, I think it's a stretch, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Julie. With my gavel. <laughs> it's unorthodox, wow. but I'll allow it. Hi, you know, if you were my judge, I would. <laughs> Very afraid. I just throw myself on the mercy of the court. And I hope. have a lot of mercy, but I guess that's the problem. You don't know what my mercy entails mm-hmm. to try to help you out. That's right. Yeah. That's, so welcome to life. I, I think Misa would be too forgiving life. if I was bad. I think Julie would be too strict. I'm so maybe forgiving. I don't know what Paul. I don't know what Paul would do. <laughs> I, I don't know what Paul would be. Uh, I, I, He'd probably be legalistic. I don't know. I, I, well, well, in my putting on my internal auditor hat at work, I'm I'm considered to be rather yeah, tough. And yeah, when that's it comes right. To auditing, that's so. right. Now, that's what I see in your comments when somebody when somebody lies. I think you get really upset. Yes, I, I, I don't. When they like make a mistake, liars. I don't think you're you're very upset at all. You, yeah, that's me. that sounds right because lies Seems are intentional. Reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, and mistakes or accidents or whatever. Those are, you know, learning opportunities. I, I heard uh, another interesting... Repentance is important if you're sorry for your lie and you change your ways. I heard another interesting thing about... Forgiveness um, is everything. About, exactly. Uh, about uh, the conservatism. Um, and the, there's a kind of conservatism that... It's hard to explain to people who are not that way. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It was uh, strict father conservatism. And that's the idea that, um, well, you didn't earn it. So you need to be punished for a while until it <laughs> doesn't really care about whatever the thing, like it's the details. Terrible. It's just sort of a gut reaction, right? It's like instead of like, well, we've looked at how things have gone in the past. And we think that it would be very unwise to take away this regulation because it's a really good thing. This this uh, guardrail is a good place for this and that sort of thing. And, you know, if we change it, we have to consider it. Like that's sort of a kind of conservatism. 
that I'm like, oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, don't fritter away your money because it's a finite resource. Don't you know? Don't be a, do your research sort of conservatism rather than let's go gambling kind of <laughs> attitude. But if you it's it's like I don't really care about the details. I just know that in my gut, uh, you're young, so you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that is not the kind of conservatism you can sort of deal with um, on a regular basis. But I don't I don't feel that I think Julie's Julie's kind of conservatism. If she was my judge. I would probably be okay, but I would, I would be, it would be a narrow escape. <laughs> oh my god. I'd be like, I'd, I, I'm wearing the mask, I'm swinging through the chandelier, and Julie steps in and says, nope, none of that. <laughs> wait, wait, I can explain. <laughs> I think you're taking the way I judge you on your interpretations of books and yep. applying it to real life. I am, I am exactly. Yes, exactly. That's because, Jesse, I know you can do better and you have <laughs> the capacity to think broader. Oh, no. Are we ready? Where's my gavel? <laughs> you know what? There, there's a podcast should, there, Julie. You should you should add, add a gavel, gavel sound to this podcast when yeah. you did it, Jesse. Yeah. yeah. There's my gavel. I, there, there are a lot of po- – there's one podcast I listen to that has um, – they, they call it – uh, well, they they do two shows. They just do like a regular show, and then they do uh, sort of hot takes. It's not that's not what they call it, but oh, duly noted. That's what it's called. Um, it's a Canada Land show, and they they say you know we just read this story. This sounds like it's like this, and then they talk about it for a little bit, and then they say duly noted. This is sort of the judge's phrase, right? Like, yeah, I, I hear your objection, and I'm going to make a note of it. But in the record, we're moving on, right? <laughs> Um, I think that the, the, that there definitely would be a, uh, a f- that is definitely a podcast format because there's a lot of interesting things going on in the world and we don't have time to do all of it, but we do need enough to sort of keep keep track of what's going on, what's really important. This is an interesting story. Why is it an interesting story? Um, mm-hmm. So I think if if when you're ready to uh, make another podcast, Julie, I think you'd be good for that. Good <laughs> heavens. <laughs> Nope, not having any. Next, next story. <laughs> oh yeah, I and then the gavel sound. See my discarded going back to the half price bookstore list. Pat Stack, That's like awesome. you know how Jenny Colvin does speed dating yeah, with yeah, books. Yeah. She'll read the first fifty pages and go yes or no. Yes, exactly. Like mine that. usually just get a chapter. Yeah, uh, she's way too fast. I don't know how she can yeah. get all that done. It's I- ridiculous. She reads so yeah. fast; it's unbelievable. I have to like spend well, six months researching day. a book that'll take a week to read. That's well, but she's also not watching everything that was ever published on it and yeah. listening to all the audio yeah, dramas. She's going through, she's reading, reading stories from every country in the world, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And she does read a lot where she's, than... she's reading about every country in Asia right now. And she's, well, she... this one's sort of, yeah. She's like, uh, what was the one? She was reading about the the people who don't have their own country. They're in Vietnam and uh, Thailand and what are they, the Hmong. Oh, right. Oh. Right. Uh, and but she's also a librarian, so I don't. She might have extra time during the day. I don't know. She's just. I don't want to say librarians don't have anything to do, but she might have little bits of time where she she's can read. She's just a reading but... machine. She's just. She's just faster. Mm-hmm. It's Better, stronger, faster. I she she t- makes it a priority. I mean, I I, I want to read stuff, but um, I I got other stuff I got to do too. 
Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys helping me with this this curse I've had. (laughs) (laughs) We solved solved the curse, and Alta, California is now a happy place. What does Alta mean? Above. I thought that's Uh, what it was. Baja is lower. Baja is low. Yeah. 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 So Baja California is the Mexican bargain. Baja California is the part that belongs still to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It does? Yeah, no, that's the peninsulas on the left-hand side of Mexico. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, Mexico was ready to sell that to the U.S., but the U.S. said, nah, nah. In so hindsight, it, that was a poor choice. But that yeah. was, in, in, in hindsight, that was a poor choice. I mean, I would like to see Baja one day because it's pretty beautiful and the food is good and there's, there's mm-hmm. lovely lovely topography. I didn't do it when I lived in California and I regret it. So it's like, mm-hmm. I've been teaching myself a lot of things I didn't do when I had a chance in California, and that's one of them. We all have our things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we're reading books about the Hmong. Sometimes we're not. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Maybe we never are. Yeah. <laughs> Which not going to ever happen. Listening to podcasts about people reading books about the Hmong. Yeah, that's good enough for me. <laughs> Although there's a really good there's a really good Hmong movie, Julie. What? I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it it's it's it, because it's a very unique culture. They they're kind of like Jews. They they're not really into uh, spreading their religion, they're not really into, uh, they're, they're sort of, uh, endogamous. Yeah. That's the word for it. Yeah. Um, Mary inside. Yeah. Um, and they have all sorts of weird, uh, they're almost like Christian scientists when it comes to, according to Julie, uh, not Julie, to Jenny. Um, wait, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, it, it sounded like a really interesting book. Uh, I'm glad she read it for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you know what? American city has, among the highest Hmong population in the United States. Among, among the highest, yes. Yes. St. <laughs> Paul, Minnesota. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that there's a, there's a large Hmong population here. Pl- plenty of Hmong restaurants, yeah. What's funny yeah, how a lot of people who from these tropical climates or warmer places that wind up in northern America, because isn't there a big Ethiopian population somewhere in, in Minneapolis? Yes. Okay, that's I was because mostly because I the M- anti-vaccination thing, and I was like, oh, how do all these yeah, Ethiopians wind there's up? There's a lot there? of Ethiopians yep. in Toronto too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Minneapolis has got the Somalis and Ethiopians, and okay. St. Paul's got the Hmong. Yeah, Gran Torino has uh, probably a the better food then too. Paul. Culture in there, if you remember that movie, that Clint Eastwood yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not the one I was thinking of. And there's a guy who was oh gosh, the guy who was the main terrorist villain in Captain Phillips. I think he was from maybe Minneapolis. They did tryouts or something. They wanted all native Somalians. Maybe the Somalis were the terrorists in this case, and he just. Never acted out of the blue and was amazing. So I think that's also another connection I had with where, where did this population, but you know, it's whoever sponsored and brought them over. I, I've never, I don't know what Hmong food tastes like. There's no Hmong restaurants I, I, around I, here. I, I, it, it is a variation on Vietnamese. I've tried mm. it. I've not really liked it that much, uh, but I've tried it because, you know, it's, it, there's plenty of restaurants here to, to, to do try you Like Vietnamese food. I do. Okay, just, I, just monk, monk, yeah, yeah, no, no, VB's food is fine. Monk, monk food, I'm not so great at. Oh, Maybe because okay. it's a lot more bitter and so, at least some of the dishes I've tried, like, basically, they don't call it broccoli raw, but it's basically they use broccoli raw yeah. a lot and it's too bitter for me and I don't like it. 
And that's a an American. We've moved away from the bitter flavors, yeah, especially in the last mm. decade or two. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I probably had the same problem. Well, I guess we're done. We're done. I think we're done. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we're done. We can. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.